Welcome back to the Naked Again podcast. I am your host, Toby. It has been a minute, uh, a sort of hiatus uh, for some weeks. I am glad to be back in the garden with you. I am glad to continue the conversations in the garden with you. Um, Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for the conversations in and out of the garden, in and out of this sort of platform environment. I truly appreciate the support. Today, we are going to be talking about the garden. We have referred to it, uh, you know, from the first episode, what the garden is and why we are in the garden having these conversations, sort of the symbol of where intimacy was first introduced um, to us to humanity, uh, according to the Christian faith, of course, the convictions of, you know, this is the beginning of the world when the creator God created us in his image. So the Garden of Eden has been sort of our starting point and really our standing point of why we even come on this platform to have this conversation, why it's important to our sensuality journey and rediscovering our sensual self um, in a space of safety, in a space of freedom, and, and with autonomy. So today I want to explore a little bit what the garden really symbolizes as we um, journey alongside each other as this idea of sensuality and sexuality um, sort of merge because that's the hope that there is no separation of what you do with yourself sensually and sexually, but rather this integration of wholeness, this integration of healing, this integration of there is a self that is always more authentic than the separate selves that we we create according to the context and make certain decisions that we then question um, our truest self about like that wasn't me. Um, I don't even know why I did that or I didn't really feel like doing that, but I did it anyway. And of course, I am making references to sexual decisions. Um, I try to be as transparent as possible on this platform. Um, and I hope that you are allowing yourself and giving yourself the permission to be as transparent also because that's where true healing hides in in that ability to be vulnerable um and to say this is where i'm at um this is where i want to be or i don't know where i'm going and i don't mind having a few conversations about it so the garden of eden literally as a geographic location um, per biblical na- narrative, is the place where God forms us, where God forms humanity. The Garden of Eden is this intimate space of, of creativity where we see the Creator speak things and speak, you know, the plants and everything that is in the world into being. And of course, the good 
that God called humanity when he created man in his own image. So we are looking at the perspective of celibacy, the perspective of sexual wholeness and wellness from this place of the garden, this place of intimacy where God breathed in us himself. So there is a self in you, in me, in us that recognizes that we were created by someone who who loved us enough, who cared for us enough to create us in God's own image. And we are created to not only be fruitful and multiply, but to be well, to be well. Wellness is part of God's intention when he created humanity. And in my experience, um, in my profession as a mental health therapist and in my vocation um, as a ministry leader, I have had tons and countless conversations where wellness and wholeness often tread on these grounds of sexual identity, um, you know, sexual purity. What does it mean? What does it look like? Um, what does it look like to embrace the fullness of my sexuality, the fullness of my sensuality without being judged or condemned as, as something that's simple, you know, without being questioned or interrogated um, for having the sensual thoughts or beliefs that I have. Um, like I've stated in previous episodes growing up in the culture that I grew up, the faith culture that I grew up embedded in the Yoruba culture that I grew up as a Nigerian native. It was a really confined environment to worship God, to learn who God was, to know who God was, and to develop faith while exploring my sexual identity, while having questions about sensuality, while having questions about romantic relationships, and while your body felt a certain way at a certain age when puberty was coming along, or why children were sort of shielded from, you know, affection in the sense of, you know, romantic affection, where, you know, children were almost, I wouldn't say blinded, <laughs> But as I think of just incidents where children were asked to sort of look away from public displays of affection or where young couples were really looked down on and even scolded for having ideas about their sensual nature, ideas about how to sexually um how to sexually communicate their affection for one another. They were scolded for even thinking it, not necessarily doing it. It was, it was looked down upon. It was like this evil force. And that always stayed with me personally. So I am always glad to explore from those lenses what it really means to have a sexual nature, that's not something that just crept up out of nowhere when God created us in his image. I do believe that the sexual nature was part of it. God has a sexual nature. That's why he created them male and female. There is a sexual nature that I believe we are 
supposed to grow into and mature into where the freedom and the free will that we have to make sexual decisions is not something that ends up hurting us, which it usually does um, when it is acted upon with, you know, very little maturity or very little discernment um, when it comes to romantic relationships. So as we consider what the Garden of Eden is, I recommend, I invite us rather to explore it not only as a physical place, but also as a spiritual space, as an intimate space with the creator. Just as we learn of Adam and Eve, you know, being in the garden naked and free, just as we learn of Adam walking with God um, in the cool of the day, just as we learn of God visiting Adam, they were friends. So there's this introduction to this spiritual reality that took place in the garden before, of course, the fall, before um, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was bitten into by Adam and Eve. So the Garden of Eden is this representation for us that invites us to enter in not only physically in the in the Bible, but spiritually. And we know, of course, it's 2021 since COVID has happened. There are churches who have to close doors. Well, not churches who had to close doors, all churches had to close their doors in the beginning of the pandemic. And even though some may be opening their doors now, we know that in that time, spiritual houses had to be cultivated from the comforts of your own home or maybe at a coffee shop or just somewhere other than the four walls of the traditional church that we know. So this Garden of Eden, as we talk about it on this platform, I invite you to see the garden as your spiritual space where you are free to commune with your creator and ask intimate questions and bring your feelings and your thoughts and whatever is confusing or does not feel good to you, where you are able to bring those things to the creator, to your deepest self. So why the garden? Why are we even trying to create sort of like this or recreate rather this space? I I believe that the Garden of Eden, if there ever was such a thing as innocence, because of course in my field of psychology, there are many theories about, you know, where children learn to lie from and, and what is sort of um, innate in the human person, I suppose, in the human being, you know, how do children learn to lie? How do children learn to be mischievous? How do children learn to be rebellious um, at a certain age? I believe the garden is, in this sense, a space of innocence, a space of untouched purity, where before the the fruit was eaten, the forbidden fruit um, was eaten by Adam and Eve, there was this sense of innocence that I believe God created them with, that God creates us with. And whether we like it or not, there is a sense of innocence that we 
get a chance to hold on to until something traumatic happens to us, until something that we weren't expecting as children or as adults happened to us that in a way there's almost this violent idea of when life hits you and you start to learn more about the life that you're in, this world that you're in, when you start to learn more about the human nature, there is um, sort of like this unveiling that happens even when you're not ready for it. So to bring the garden into the perspective of sexual conversations and the integration of faith with it, I believe the garden is an opportunity for us to be innocent in our thoughts. Even when we've gone through some things in the world, I believe the garden gives us the opportunity to innocently express what it is we feel, what it is we think, how how we have felt injured along the way, even when it's self-injury, how we have made decisions out of naivety, and then discovered that that was actually quite foolish because I shoulda or coulda or probably woulda not done that had I known this or had I felt this. Maybe if I was more mature, maybe if I didn't have trust issues, maybe if I didn't have attachment issues, I would have decided differently. So we refer to the garden because it gives us the opportunity to be innocent again, even when society tells us that we're not, even when church tells us that we're not. Since the Garden of Eden is a place that you cultivate your spiritual space with your maker, with the creator, with your deepest self, you get to give yourself the permission to be innocent again. And as we go through what the garden represents in these conversations. My hope is that you are actively encouraged to create that space of the garden, not necessarily in one place, but maybe in several spaces of your life. You know, when you think of where is your garden, it can be wherever you want it to be. The garden can be a space that you cultivate with your closest friends where you are able to innocently, freely and safely discover or explore ideas about sensuality and your sexual self, where you are able to freely expose yourself through your thoughts and saying that, you know, I thought that was the right thing to do, but maybe it wasn't. Or I'm starting to learn that I have a pattern with how I decide when it comes to sensual matters. The space of your garden could be a conversation with your significant or other or your partner. The space of your garden could be in, you know, a ministry group. It could be, you know, the brunch after Sunday's church service virtually or in person. But the point of creating spaces for your garden is that you get the freedom to recreate these spaces of safety, these spaces of transparency, and these spaces of healing for yourself. 
So my hope is that discernment, of course, comes into play for you where you are not trying to forcefully create spaces for your garden, even though those spaces don't necessarily permit you to be as as safe or as free as you need to be in your process. And then, of course, we know that in the Garden of Eden, there were some who's there were there were people in the garden. Like for Adam, there was Eve. There was God. Maybe there was some angels or some really cozy animals um, that that Adam learned to build trust with. So as we have conversations about the garden here, my hope is that you also consider who is in your garden. When it's not just you and God, when it's not just you and the creator, when it's not just you and your deepest self, who are the people that you are inviting into this intimate space of discovering how your sexual self and your sensual self and your faith integrate to make you a whole self? What relationships, what voices, what influences are being um, I guess germ- are, are germinating rather in your garden. What seeds are being planted when you have these conversations, when you ask these questions, when you listen to others speak, who is in your garden? Because in the process of celibacy, in the process of maintaining a decision, um, to abstain from sexual activity or abstain from sexual decisions until a certain time in your life, until marriage for most of us. um, And for some of us, not until marriage, but whatever season of celibacy you are in, these relationships, these voices, this influences will partake in that process heavily. Because on the nights that maybe after you've decided to be celibate, you are feeling just especially lonely or hopeless or vulnerable. It is the relationships, the voices and the influences in your garden that will be able to speak to you in that place of vulnerability. And then as we talk about the garden, I also want you to consider how often you visit the garden. How often do you create or recreate this space or spaces where you get to hear yourself think deeply on these matters? Where you get to hear yourself mourn losses? Where you get to hear yourself grieve some relationships that could have been saved or some relationships that you probably held on to for too long or are holding on to for too long as it pertains to, you know, sexual intimacy, that is. I invite you to visit the garden as much as you can. I invite you to make your visitation and your engagement in the garden as, as a part of your life. Because what you think, how you feel when you're making these decisions will come to play 
because those decisions will have reactions to them. They will have consequences, some positive, maybe some negative. But as long as you are aware that you're the one making these decisions and not anything outside of you, then perhaps you're able to withstand whatever comes with the decisions that you're making. Ultimately, in scripture, the most intimate um, garden scene that we see post um, the fall is in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus Christ, the Savior, um, the Son of God, is having and engaging in this intimate and vulnerable conversation with God the Father as he heads to the cross. So before his crucifixion, we find in the Garden of Gethsemane that Jesus is here talking to God about if this can be avoided, if this cup can pass, then let it pass. And of course, there are tons of sermons about this intimate moment where we get to see the savior of the world in his most human and most vulnerable moment where his will is being resubmitted to God's will. And it happened in a garden. And what that does for me is encourage me about the symbol of the garden, where it wasn't just a place that a mistake or a bad decision was made before the fall of humanity, but it's also a place where God meets with the savior of the world, where God meets with his son, encouraging him. Because in the, in the scripture, it tells us that, you know, the angels came and they ministered and strengthened, um, they ministered to and strengthened Jesus before he was to go to the cross. But it was a moment that had to happen. I believe it was a moment for us to be able to peek into, to take some guidelines, to take some notes, and to come out saying, well, I am able to perhaps question if my will and God's will align. I am perhaps able to let God know this decision feels really, really big. And I don't know if I can make it by myself. And sometimes that can sound just, it can sound as deep as that. And for some people it doesn't. But my encouragement to you is if celibacy is becoming that big deal that it is to you, then let it. If the thought of abstaining sexually or changing your mindset about the sexual decisions that you make is becoming something that that is sort of like this chronic thought for you, then explore that and seek God on that. Because really that, that was the point of this podcast to remind us that we are not alone. You are not alone. You're not alone in those thoughts. So my hope is that you will be encouraged today to create and recreate the garden 
to visit the garden often and to bring those thoughts, those ideas, those desires to your creator. I invite you to just remain in the garden for as long as you need to be so that you can get the healing and clarity that you need on your journey to rediscovering your sensual, deepest, and most authentic self. It is so good to be back on the podcast. I look forward to continue our conversation next week on the Naked Again podcast. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da